Hi, my name is Aaron McManus, and you are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. And I'm Erwin McManus. I'm Aaron's dad, and I'm your um, cohort here, <laughs> partner in crime. Co-host, father, son, the duo. This week, we're actually doing something really different. We're releasing two episodes, one right now on Tuesday and again on Friday. I don't know why we're doing it, but we were kind of just seeing how it goes, seeing, seeing, you know, there's a little slump on a Tuesday and maybe we'll get you fired up to face the battles the rest of the week. Well, that's exciting because a lot of people who listen tell us they're binging every Friday and then starving for six days. So here we're yep. going to provide an extra meal hey. throughout the week. Hey, if, 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 if some podcast can be a daily thing, I think maybe we can manage twice a week every once in a while, but this is a test. So if you're, if you're listening, uh, this is not a mistake. We will be dropping another episode on Friday or Thursday night at midnight, Friday morning, first thing, um, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. And if you want to just see my face do weird things, go to the YouTube. But if not, rate and review this on iTunes. We love getting your reviews. We love reading them. We laugh. We cry. We share moments together. And I'm really excited. So do you want to jump on into this, this next topic? This week we have an exciting episode. I'm really excited. We have a fun topic, but before we get there, we want to do something a little bit different. No, first you want to do that whole spiel thing that you do. Yes. If you're listening, <laughs> we are so grateful. If you wouldn't mind, please go to the iTunes podcast and write a review. Give us however many stars you feel. and Five stars. I don't think we're allowed to ask for stars. We're not? I don't know. Can we demand them? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but we'll do. A, uh, we'll, we'll just go with it. Um, this week we want to do things different. I wanted to give a, a few shout outs to some people who have been emailing in. Um, we get so much love on the Instagram batter, at Battle Ready Podcast, which is really cool, and we get a lot of love on our email, Aaron at BattleReadyPodcast dot com. I need to do a better job of forwarding you some of the emails. That'd be great. But I wanted to just shout out Christine Lee, Tichelle Combs. I don't know how to say this, Lay, Lie, L-A-I-S, Gomez, Leon Johnson, Joshua Smith, April Skies, Rafael Costa, Daniel Saldivar, um, Britton Bentley, Kylie Patton, Benelli Paz, Alvina Judkins, Abe Menayer, Menayer, who's actually a strength conditioning coach at Stanford. Wow. Can you please move to Los Angeles and train us? Just kidding. Did you work with uh, Andrew Luck? Ooh. Mm. I think he's younger. I think he's okay. my age. Okay. He actually had a really great question about dating. Third, third, I don't know if I should. I mean, I, you, you wrote a question, so I'm saying your name. And it's, <laughs> it's, in, it's, in like, it's like a beautiful question. Talking about like being 31 years old, the midst, midst of COVID, in the midst of COVID, <laughs> a quarantine. How do you date? He's tried dating different ways. So is this um, now like a dating podcast no it's not a dating <laughs> podcast we wanted to hit two questions i thought we hit a fun one but he 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 was really vulnerable in his email and i, I like i really loved it um so shout out to to abe and but he but he brought up a good question how do you date at 31 believing in god believing in jesus having a faith how do you find someone i imagine he's a strength coach so i just like i i i just envision a good looking ripped ripped man Young man, so this is you know, this is this is. So I would ask you, how do you how do you date thirty one well, years old? I haven't dated in nearly forty years, so well, that's, that's also <laughs> no. true. Are you grateful that you don't have to date now? Well, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think one of the challenging things is that for dating to work effectively, there have there has to be social structures in place. 
So okay. it's easy to date, let's say when you're in high school, because everyone goes to the same school. It's easy to date in college because everybody's brought on a campus. What happens when they free you into the real world and there's no more like constructed social circles? So it becomes more challenging when you leave college if you haven't found your husband or you haven't found your wife and you're still wanting to get married one day. And so it depends on your lifestyle. Then it becomes bars and clubs because that's where you meet people. Or church. Or it becomes or church. Or right? grocery stores. <laughs> and and it, depending on your own lifestyle and what kind of person you're looking right. for and what kind of person you are. And the, the challenge, though, is um, as you get, um, it's not that you're getting old, but as you get older, you're, you're probably not into the same scenes you were when you were 21, 22. And it gets harder to meet people. And so then you have all these online dating uh, apps where people meet. But um, even there, it's really challenging because you you don't know the person you're working on on photographs. Or it's purely visual. So, yeah, it's such a it, it's it's the most vain way to meet someone and practical way. It's it's an interesting world. because I, I do find it odd that that people shame online dating. Because what is the difference between going up when some going up to someone in like whether it's a bar or you know on the street mm-hmm. or in a restaurant or at church or wherever it may be? What is the difference between that and going? I'm gonna just we're both in the same space for dating. I'm gonna like swipe right or like approve this and show my interest. Right. Even what I said earlier about well, on Instagram, it's purely visual. It's it's purely visual in the bar. It's and it's purely visual in the church. Yeah, there's <laughs> there is <laughs> blind date. Is there blind dating? Blind date dating. Blind dating. The, that's the oh, isn't that the opening scene of um a movie really we really like? Is it a? It's the one where the father and son go back in time. Is it called About Time? I think it's about time. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, where you know what I'm where they meet in the in the blind restaurant. Do you remember that where he meets part, Rachel no. McAdams in the blind? Anyways, it's just like a, it's, it's kind of a beautiful oh, yeah, scene. Yeah, um, it's that Eddie. No, it's not Eddie oh, Fre- Fre- Freeman, or it's um Fre- the the guy from Harry Potter who is also he was one of the Weasley brothers okay. who is also. Anyways, <laughs> Donald Leeson, he's he's in Star Wars. Yeah, he's the ginger. Clearly, that movie had a greater impact on you than it did on me. <laughs> no, I thought it was it was a good movie because because it, because that opening scene where they meet in the like in, in it's a blind restaurant in, in London where you're they're blindfolded and you go to eat and you're like you eat in the dark and and anyways. So is it a metaphor that now you guys are dating blind? No, we're dating we're dating the opposite of blind. We're dating so eyes open. But it doesn't seem to me that you're. It seems to me that you're not dating at all. <laughs> it does seem to, it it would it would. It right. would be true. Okay, now, okay, let's go back. Who asked the question? My friend Abe. Abe, um, I want to say, first of all, your struggles with dating are universal. Most people are struggling with dating. I will second that. You're not alone. Right. And you may feel like there's something wrong with me. I can't find the right person. I can't seem to make this dating thing work. I think you're in the majority, not in the minority. And secondly, I think sometimes the problem is that you're searching for someone that's right for you rather than someone you're right for. You're searching for someone who can meet your needs rather than someone whose needs you can meet. And it's one of those curious things that a relationship is one of those things where if you you try too hard, it seems like it becomes more elusive. It's better to make friends than it is to look for a date. A piece of advice you gave me a few years maybe a few years back, because I think I was probably heartbroken mm-hmm. over 
situation and you said try to try to make sure you end things the best that you can yes and i'm not the greatest at that so i you know I, work in progress but one of the the piece of advice you said was stay stay friends if you can because that person could at the end of the day introduce you to your future wife mm-hmm. stay connected stay stay try to end the relationship in the healthiest space and that was really you speaking i think be the healthiest person you can be in the relationship and right and a rule of thumb is if you leave the relationship too late, it ends worse. Yes. If you leave the relationship on time, when both of you know it isn't the right thing for you, you actually have a better chance of leaving the relationship well. I think this is its own podcast. <laughs> and I'm not mad at it. I kind of love it because I, I think, how do, you, how do you end things well? You know, like... Well, I think part of it is uh, whenever we want to end the relationship, we kind of always want the other person to end it. But when they end it, we want them more. Ah. And so, <laughs> and so it's this dysfunctional dynamic where you know you should end the relationship and then she ends it and then you want her more. You know. Or you you're should, like, no, I want to end it. Right. And then, but then you don't. And, uh, or she, she knows she should end the relationship. But she doesn't. And then when he ends it, she wants him more. And it becomes this dysfunctional relationship where the more you hurt each other, the more you want each other. And you need to believe each other when one person says, it's not right. Yeah. And, And the first time that conversation happens is probably the right time. What's the word? Yeah. (laughs) I'm in so much pain. How do you end things well? Like, what's the, what do you say? Because I think the lamest thing ever is blaming it on someone else. Well, the lamest thing is blaming it on God. <laughs> the, the absolute, <laughs> do not say, God told me to break up with you. Yeah, I've heard guys do that, and I just, I, man, you need to man up and stop blaming God and the fact that you met someone else. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've, yeah, yeah. Which, by the That's, way, when you stay in a relationship too long, you almost drive the other person to start dating someone else while they're still dating you. Okay, Abe, I just want you to know he's looking at me very intensely and he's speaking now to to me. Yeah, so I would say, Abe, make a lot of friends. Okay. Don't just look for dates. Uh, make a lot of friends and make them genuine friends. And if you can actually have meaningful friendships, you will find the right relationships. Okay, so... This is another complicated thing to navigate. How do you become friends with a girl? But then, okay, so here you go. So beautiful girl, right? So how do you become friends with a beautiful girl and stay friends and not make it complicated? Or how do you communicate intention? Because I feel like I feel like there's so, and I'm not just speaking from personal experience. I'm actually speaking, I think, from how do you lay your intentions out like right away? Because I think some people are like, I'm in, I'm intentionally pursuing you yeah. to. But the that difference freaks is me out. words do not communicate intention, actions do. Okay, so give me, so how do we have healthy human behavior? Whenever a guy says, I'm just, I just want to be your friend, but you're, but you're only going out with them one-on-one, you're lying. Because if a guy is your friend, you go out in groups. Okay. If, if, if you have a guy friend, you're not just saying, hey, it's just me and you today. So how do you... <laughs> So, in fact, that's a little weird. I right? really wish there was a book out there that was called "Is This a Date?" Yes, or not. And I think you guys should be more honest and go, 
it looks like a date. It feels like a date. It sounds like a date. It's a date. And it just, but the date doesn't necessarily promise a permanence. That is, and the, a lot of people feel betrayed if you have one date, but you don't have a second date. I, I think I'm okay with it. Well, it's just that people think, th oh, what's wrong with me? Right. Sometimes I wish there was, there was just healthy feedback. Mm -hmm. You know, what's something, what could we, what could we do better? But sometimes it's just chemistry. There's nothing wrong with that person, nothing wrong with you. It just, it isn't the right fit for you guys. Okay. So how do you become more self-aware in those moments? Because I do feel, especially the, the dating topography in Los Angeles is very confusing, right? You have a lot of people from a lot of places and they're trying to meet each other, but then they're also trying to like get a career and then they're also trying to get famous or get more Instagram right. followers or X, Y. So it, it is a, like a weird thing to navigate of like, what is your intention for this yeah. conversation? And I know people are listening from all over the world, but one of like the unspoken realities of LA is uh, in LA, you meet people, you date, not you don't meet people, you marry. People move home and marry someone usually. Like I, yeah. I see it all the time where you get like young, beautiful girls or young, handsome guys and they date in LA to kind of connect and, and whatever. People don't come to LA going, I want to meet the person of my dreams or I want to meet the person I'm in my life with. They come to LA going, I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to be known. I want to be a star. I want, you know. Yeah. And, and so you're coming to be an actor or actress, a model or um, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and so people oftentimes become more commodities to be used and, and they think, use each other. Yeah, I think that. LA is a really tough place to meet someone that wants to commit their life to you. Yeah, I, it is. It's Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting because I don't think people move to LA to, and go, I'm committing my life to LA. No. You know, and there's a different pride between LA people and New Yorkers where I feel like if, if you can make it in New York, you're a New Yorker. And I think people don't go to New York for a moment of fame. They go there for a career. They go there for a career, they go to build a life. And so I, I actually think you have a better chance sometimes of finding that person who is serious about life and want, wants to make serious commitments for life. Yeah. <laughs> hey Siri. <laughs> Siri, can you help Aaron find a date? Oh my gosh, no, no, they're all <laughs> popping off now. All the series are starting. Um, I, I, but back to it, back to it. I, I, I do think that dating in LA is hard. I do think being 31, 32, 30 to 32 is a different, it's a different thing right. because there's not a ton of like 30 to 32 year olds moving to LA. They've kind of moved here when they were younger and they've either made it or they haven't, or they've gotten over it. And so it is, it is like this disparity. There's just a huge gap yeah. in age. Well, you have to ask yourself, am I dating because this person makes me feel more important and, or am I dating because um, this person actually adds value to my life. Hmm. And I think in, a lot of times in your 20s, you're, you're, you're almost dating to see who you can date. And there's a huge amount of ego and esteem involved in it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think, I think so much of it is, is, is vanity in the beginning and then it's traction moves into maybe some kind of connection and then a connection moves into a relationship which isn't the way it should be. Mm -hmm. I, do, I think the older I get, I would want to pretend like I'm wise. I think the older I get, I still make the same dumb mistakes. And it's tough in LA. I think it's, it's hard to meet someone and go, what do you do? And the moment they're like, well, I'm an actor. I'm like, dang it. 
because you you realize as you get older they're probably not going to be an actor right not to be mean but there's like it's like the one percent zero point no point zero one percent of of the people who move who actually make it you're okay like you're probably not gonna be an actor but what but what what's the package like who are you now? Who are you becoming? And or almost worse, sometimes I'm I'm here to be a model. No, I think it's better. I do think it's better, but it but 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 you rarely meet like you I think, think it's like, better better because because you they look have, like models. You don't have to make out with someone <laughs> on camera in a TV show, and I got to deal with it emotionally. But that's what I mean. Like you're just one person taking photographs. But I would say this: like it's rare to meet people that are in other industries in LA. Like I think if you're in finance, you kind of like live and breathe finance world. If you're in marketing, you kind of are in that world. Mm-hmm. We're kind of in this day and age where things are much more compartmentalized than they've ever been before, at least in LA. In New mm-hmm. York, you met people everywhere because it's like this crammed thing. LA, it's much more separated and much more about its bubble, even more in the quarantine where you're like, okay, if you're an actor, you're an actor. If you're uh, whatever you're whatever if you work in this industry you work in this industry if you do yoga you live in venice um it's just a different world so how how do you i don't he also abe also talks a lot about you know how do you know what god wants for you in the person that you're supposed to be with and how do you not let vanity or let you know looks or your own looks be the focal point of the relationship how do you and I do think you answered that by saying, like, get to know the person deeper than just what they look like, mm-hmm. actually become their friend. And and um, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. Well, I just think that no matter how attractive a person is, they're going to get older. Yeah. And But when you marry someone that's interesting, they're going to become more interesting. Hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're not supposed to have an attraction to a person. It just means that attraction needs to be more than just a superficial composite of a person's face and their body. And that, um, which I, is one of the reasons I think people move to sex so fast, hmm. is that um, the reason people move to sex extremely fast is that they do not find the other person interesting. That you don't have a lot to talk about. And when you have a lot to talk about, you can actually spend your life together. Mm. Because it, eventually you're going to realize that um, you, you talk a lot more in the marriage than you have sex. And that you need to find someone that's, that stimulates your imagination, your curiosity, your intellect, that you like having conversations with, that fill that gap of, of aloneness and rather than just simply pleasure and um or physical attraction um so yeah i'm all for being physically attracted i just think that you need to be able to have someone that you can have dinner with and talk to for five or six hours not realize the whole night has slipped away because you've been talking and laughing all night long right so that's a lot for one question i know it's a lot for one question but i think it's good i think it's a good good. question it's a good question all right we'll go to the next one all right so we're praying for you good luck godspeed I do think they should, they should, how do you date in this time? I think it's, I think it's still okay to go out to dinner. I think it's still okay to go grab coffee. I think you got to be more creative. I think you, you, you know, you can't just rely on going inside somewhere because some places aren't open inside. If you're in the middle of America, you don't know what I'm talking about. You, mm-hmm. everything's pretty much back to normal, but here in LA with quarantine and COVID and everything, it changes the dynamic. It is ironic though, that when you meet someone for the first time, they probably have a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Which is, if that's not metaphorical, 
for just taking the mask off mm-hmm. and becoming more transparent and vulnerable. I, like I, I, the, I think the things that I've realized that I value more than anything now at 32 is if they're not honest and transparent and open about their life, if they don't bring you into their world, if they don't introduce you to their family, mm-hmm. I think because you meet so many of my friends yeah. because of church and just being, mm-hmm. you know, we live in the same city. I think when it doesn't happen, people are so weird about meeting people's families. I'm like, I meet a lot of families all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a great clue. If they don't bring you into their world, they haven't brought you into their life. So true. And by the way, I think one of the things that was asked was, um, oh man, he was talking about dating. Oh yeah. Should you wait on God or. Right. Like, like you know, what, what, yeah, he has, it's, he, it's a really dynamic. Yeah. Know, and, and I think one of the things that really strikes me is that when, when Jesus was with his disciples and after he had risen from the dead and he gets into the boat, or actually even before then, and uh, when he had gotten, gotten the boat and they had caught any fish, um, he tells them to throw their nets into the water. So to catch, to catch fish, they have to throw their nets into the water. He didn't say just sit in the boat and watch the fish jump in. Hmm. And so when a person uses like God talk and says, well, you know, should I date or should I just wait on God? Um, if you don't throw the net into the water, you're not going to catch any fish, even if there's a miracle. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very much for dating. Right. Like I'm for, I mean, I, I told you, I, th- I think you should go out I every know. week. I know. I told you, I think every, you know, every Friday night, man, you should have a date. And because to me, like, if you want to find good. the right person, you have to meet people you and have to engage with people. Out, is that what you're saying? I'm saying you got to throw the net into the <laughs> ocean. You're never going to catch a fish. That's I, what I'm telling a, you. <laughs> This is this is this is this is what I this, <laughs> even if you threw me that caught a shark. And let, me your defend myself. <laughs> let me defend myself. Uh, I I do think it's <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. I think you're pretty much always right, and 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 I'm trying to be right. But yeah, I think know, one of the hard things is when you put yourself out there. Because he also talked about how he used to date a lot. Now he doesn't date a lot. And yeah. I think what happens is that when you've dated a lot and you've been heartbroken or you've been disappointed you can actually begin to create walls based on fear and rejection and disappointment. And you can't, you don't want to hold your future hostage to your past. Yeah. There's a great person out there. Don't blame them on what happened in the past. Yeah. I also, yeah. I also think someone who, I think we have to realign what our values are sometimes Mm -hmm. like readjust our values and then realign to maybe what like what God sees in us. Cause it isn't, the muscles it isn't however good looking you are right now it is genuinely over the longevity of your life right and i, I think that's something that I, I love about you and mom is you said it this morning in a meeting you were like you know i thought she was gonna you know that was gonna ruin my marriage the, just an argument you guys were having and and you and i joked and i said yeah that wasn't the first time no. because you guys have created such an openness with each other you guys do argue and you guys do have little fights yeah. and things and you're like, mom's mad at me or she'll be like, yeah, your, your dad's mad at me. I threw something away or, and I just, but I do love, I love the transparency in your relationship where you just know that there's a deeper connection, a much broader, you guys aren't going for the best marriage of the month. You're going for like the lifetime. Yeah. I said, don't, don't look for someone that makes your life easier. Look for someone who makes your life more interesting. Look for so someone who makes your life richer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's the next question? Next question is this from Sophia Liu. She asked this question. We live in a world where conflict is often avoided. How do you create an environment where conflict slash disagreements can thrive? And then she kind of infuses her own thoughts. 
because that's actually where growth happens. And you maybe well, I feel like that's a thought we, you would we, disagree had, with. we had a little conflict over this. All right. I, I read it I read it real quick before. And, well, and it's you, because you're like a moth to flame with conflict. You feel like we don't have enough conflict in the world. <laughs> no, 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 not in the world. No, 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 not in the world. In your life. No, 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 it's not. No, 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 no. no. You paint me out to be this very different person. No, no, no. It's just that, that different personalities elevate through different mechanisms. I would rather have conflict than... Con no, no, say, say that last part again. I cut you off. No, that's right. No, no, I, I thought you had kind of left it to this ominous... You'd rather have conflict than... Confusion. But you finish your sentence. And for some people, conflict is confusion. So there's only two the true thing is I think it's a great question. They, right? are, the, they are the weak. <laughs> so Sophia, you make two assumptions. Okay. All right. The first is in the first statement. This just makes me like, I love this. I right. love this. I'm, if you're watching the YouTube, I'm smiling. Her really opening big. statement is we live in a world where conflict is avoided. Yes. That's, that's a perception of reality. So there's several things I can say just from that part. One, you believe you should be in more conflict with the people in your lives. You, you believe they won't listen to you and they avoid conflict. I do think I agree with you. You agree with her. I wonder, I, no, no, I agree with you about <laughs> this question. And yeah. I want to reread it because I think she wrote it differently. than I think she, she added the question in the middle in between what she already believes. Right. Well, no, right? no, it's right. It just, I work, I try to understand what a person's view of reality is. So when she says, uh, we live in a world where conflict is avoided. See, my feeling immediately was, wow, we live in a world where conflict is everywhere. Everywhere. So I immediately had an opposite reaction going. I thought she was going to say, we live in a world that's drowning in conflict. So much conflict. But, um, but I, I understand because relationally, you might have a world a political conflict and social conflict and cultural conflict. I mean, we have protests everywhere. We have, we have riots everywhere. We have uh, political conflict. Uh, animosity we we're in a society just raging with conflict but her perception is we live in a world where conflict is avoided and so i see it as a purely relational question that there are people in her life that she feels that there are problems that are not being solved because people are avoiding the conversations she feels need to be had i feel like this often yes and i and i bring it to you quite a bit of mm -hmm. i wish we were able to just talk about this and get it out of our system yeah, and I, there, there are personalities that have a higher capacity for conflict and personalities that have a lower capacity for conflict. Please. And then there are personalities that do not feel they're making prog progress without conflict. Okay, I, I, I want to go deeper into this. Right, but there's a second half of her statement. And, but I, yeah, so I want to yeah. go deeper into it. So I yeah. want to like earmark this moment, but I also want you to address the whole thing because I think yeah. you're, you're, you're piecing together your... Well, I, well, the second half of that is where she says, um, how do we address this when conflict is how we grow? How do we create an environment where conflict slash disagreements can thrive because that's where growth happens? Right. So that's her second assumption, that conflict is where growth happens. But we know that's not true. Well, it's a framework, but I do think that it's a perception of reality. People who thrive in conflict, believe conflict is the only environment where you grow. Now, what I would say is uh, your perception is both right and wrong. That 
I do love when you say that because you don't let anything be black and white. No, uh, conflict may be the only way you grow because you're not as teachable as you should be. But the people in your life um, may grow through other complementary environments. Um, like I don't grow best in conflict, but I, I do thrive in conflict in terms of I elevate in my thinking, but I, I actually prefer complementary relationships. I prefer competition as opposed to conflict. Um, I, I, I love dialogue. I love debate. I, um, I love conflict of ideas, but not conflict of, of, um, of value of people. And that maybe that's a part of the dynamic problem is that we get confused. We think having personal conflicts, fights with each other is what grows. It's not. It's a conflict of ideas. And we have to learn how to separate our, our ideas from our identity. And so one, one conflict would be attacking each other. Another conflict would be um, attacking an idea. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I want to bring your, it your thoughts are sorely. No, they they are. But I think that's what I. But that's what I love about what we do here, and it's mm -hmm. what I love about our relationship is mm -hmm. that you genuinely do spurn like a, a a great thought process, and and I'm all, you say things, and there's tons of lines of conversation. But you'd like for me to have more conflict. It's not true. Yes, it is true. <laughs> I think it's more specific than that. There's mm -hmm. some things that I wish you would hit head on, mm -hmm. right? We had a we had a conflict moment in your house, the friend of yours, and I walked out of the situation mm -hmm. because it was addressed at me. It was pretty pointed. It was pretty aggressive. You were busy and you weren't paying attention really to the situation. And our and our conflict afterwards, which we weren't mad at each other, I was a little mad at you, was why didn't you step in? Mm -hmm. And you said, I didn't genuinely know it was a conflict until after. And because I think a weakness of mine in my past is that I don't back down to conflict. I think a bit of it was me being bullied as a kid. I think a lot of it was having a very Southern mother that you had to, if, if you didn't, if you disagreed, you had to be right and you had to stand your ground um, and also be respectful or that you were shoot swinging, you know, for you. <laughs> um, and so... There are moments, and I think maybe it's it's a tie between like I need to know that the people around me have my back and are loyal and will have conflict in my in my stead. I also feel like a huge part of our relationship growing has been have less conflict, Aaron, and have the right conflict. And when you have conflict, be kind, be graceful, be forgiving, get to a better end. Um, and I felt like in the moment you had, didn't defend me, and. And you know, and you explained it, and we got to a good place. But I felt like I was, I was, I feel like I'm the weaker person when I'm the one who has to leave a room because that person couldn't behave. And I said some things, and I and I walked out. And I think that it the, was a moment of conflict. To me, a part of the spectrum is how easily offended are you? Super offendable, and I'm, I'm so offendable. I'm almost impossible to offend. No, but your feelings do get hurt, though. Oh, I definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely my feelings get hurt. But I, I don't really get offended very easily. And because I'm used to living in conflict with other people's thinking. And, but I don't feel a need to convince other people in those moments of my view. And so it's an interesting kind of dynamic. So let, let me go back. Uh, so Sophia? Yeah. You are right that there are situations that 
require conflict for things to get better. But I don't think that people would perceive we're living in a culture where conflict is avoided. And I can tell you, we had a consultant years ago who came to our team, and she um, convinced our team that they should create conflict every time to disagree. Yeah, so when I got back, and, they would do this thing called conflict resolution. Oh, all these different things. But not only did our culture go bad because people then began feeling like every time I have an offense, every time I have a disagreement, every time I have a conflict, I need to engage it immediately with you. But not only that, but the consultant's environment ended up being destructive and corrupt, and wow. they lost their jobs eventually. I didn't but it know took a decade. This. Wow, I didn't know this. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of it is that if you, uh, if, you're, if you have an appetite for conflict, it's unhealthy. And, and here's what um, I would say is, to achieve goals, you have to be able to have um, critique, which is different than conflict. And you, but you also have to have a culture that moves people forward. And so great leadership evaluates the weight between goals and objectives and relationships and values. And sometimes you take a step back on your goals to build the relationships. And then when you build those relationships, it allows you to take three steps forward that you could not take together. And healthy conflict happens when the other person leaves valued. When a person feels devalued, that's unhealthy conflict. And what happens so oftentimes is that we go into conflicts to win rather than to improve. And if you go into a conflict to win, you're going to leave more damage than you went in. How would you approach a conversation, right? Like me, I'm pretty offendable and I also offend people. Mm -hmm. So how do I address and I'm not I'm not just addressing Sophia anymore yeah. I think this is a broader yeah, conversation sure, sure. and this is cool because you know I think somewhere on our podcast intro it says we're a leadership podcast <laughs> I don't know this is a good leadership question I, that's the greatest review that we have is that if you're looking for three steps you won't find it right and it was it was a really positive review but um but I do think there are people in my life that I know are very conflict oriented and we've figured out a good tone to have conversations together. A lot of that came with really hard conversations and us breaking them down and really like and taking the time to reconstruct the relationship to how do we communicate to each other? How do we do things in the best way? And there's some people in my life, like I have not been able to get through, break through that wall with them where even when it's like, how do I even bring anything up? Hey, I, I didn't like that you did that. Or could you apologize? Or, you know, I'm sorry for this. I feel I find myself always apologizing. How do I not so much get them to apologize, but how do I get them to see that maybe they hurt my feelings or maybe we could have achieved a different level of excellence if we had both been on the same team of opposed to like fighting each other? Uh, I think it's a challenging thing, especially if you have bad patterns of communication. Okay. And um, what would be a bad pattern of communication? Where, you, where people feel demeaned rather than affirmed. Like where, um, like early on, I think in my leadership, I didn't know that I did this, but I got known for um, a lot of conflict. Like I would, I would meet with staff people and correct them, and and uh, people would say, "Don't get, don't go get, don't get a juice with him," because I take him to this little juice bar and we get juices, and they go, "Don't go to the juice bar with him," and and it was because um, 
I met with people when something wasn't good enough. I didn't meet with them when something was good. Yeah, you became a conflict only yeah, and leader. So I realized, ah, I'm going to have to speak into every team member I have at some point in a negative way. So I need to have three great meetings before I ever have a bad meeting. And so that it helped me establish a proactive way of meeting with people to affirm them so that when I had the negative meeting, they didn't feel like that's the only thing I would ever talk to them about. And so I think as a leader, you have to be incredibly proactive in creating affirming conversations and meetings where you confront them about their greatness, where you confront them about their excellence, where you confront them about what they've done well so that they know, oh, he's always looking for, you know, he wants to catch me in my success. So whenever he does critique where I didn't do it right, it's really because he's for my success. And I think that's the thing. When you believe someone's for your success, it's easier to have conversations that we would call conflict. When you're not sure if a person's for your success, it's harder to have the conversation. So don't make it your job to have conflicts with people that aren't asking you to make them better. Like that's a self-imposed perception. Now, if that person works for you, that's different. Because when they come on your team, you get to establish the standard of which you want to lead that team. Hmm. And But those things need to be clear. And, and you are pretty clear about what you expect of people. And Sometimes, you know, and, I, and I think more than anything in this season, I've, I've figured out I need to do a better job. Hey, this is what I expect from you. And, and this is what I expect from the team. This is what I expect from myself. And, and, and that can be hard when, you, when you're learning how to work with people. Yeah. And it's also better when you find people who are so self-managing that yeah. they correct themselves faster than you can correct them. <laughs> yeah. It's super helpful when you find a team that's better than you at almost everything. Yeah. And then you feel really insecure for being on the team. And you're like, can I please be on the team? Yeah. I will say being married 36 years, I would live in constant conflict if I thought it was my job to make my wife better. Right. And um, I, I, I only give input to Kim in areas that she asks me. I, I don't feel like it's my job to be her conscience, to be her... Be the Holy Spirit um, in her life. Be the Holy Spirit, to be her life coach. Um, and, and I find in my life it's much easier when she doesn't take that role in my life either. <laughs> And uh, as much, you know, and but I, I want to just clarify because I think yeah. there'll be people listening going, they don't challenge each other in their relationship. Oh, we over challenge each we other. We over challenge. <laughs> so, what, what would be so since you're not challenging them on the you're not necessarily challenging mom on the daily because I get to see your relationship, so yeah. I kind of know the dynamic and I, yeah. and I really like respect it and, and, and love it. But it isn't the practical, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't you, you wait for teachable moments where the other person asks you for input. And then you take those moments, and that's when you speak honestly but kindly. You're an incredibly patient person. Thank you. And I don't mean that because mom's not, but mom is mom's more like conflict oriented. But you're someone who's very patient in your conflict. Other times where you've wished you've you not just with mom, but just in general, like you wished you had hit conflict head on or hit or approached conflict in a different way. Yeah, I also think that in my 20s and 30s, I lived with conflict at such a high level. That almost killed me. And yeah. and you grew up while I lived in that incredibly volatile, dark season in my life. And I couldn't avoid conflict no matter which direction I turned. Yeah. And I, I began realizing that um, most of the conflicts I had were not worth my life. They felt like they were in the moment, but they were not worth my life. 
So true. And and I'm going, I can't treat everything the same. Like, um, if everything makes me equally angry, then nothing is important. Wow. So I save, like, my extreme frustration for things that are genuinely important. And then all the things, the other things that frustrate me that are just not that important, I kind of just don't worry about them. I realize that the world moves forward with imperfection. That was a hard thing for me to get a hold of. And um, early on, I didn't get it. I mean, I thought everything had to be perfect, and it drove me, and it drove me insane, and it drove people around me insane. Uh, yep, I have, those, I have those moments. Now I realize the world moves forward in imperfection. And, and sometimes it moves forward in a more beautiful way. Yeah. I think, I think something that I had a hard time understanding with your perspective was that you really truly love the imperfections in life. Yeah, I do. And you really do think that they create like an essence and a texture to the things that you're building and creating in general. Yeah. And so you always will see imperfections and you'll be like, that's amazing. Let's use this and let's turn. And I've, I've, it, I think imperfection is a part of your aesthetic. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't mean that as an insult. And mm -hmm. I think it's helped me understand that, that you have to look for the imperfections and that's when the uniqueness happens. And that's when like the wild happens and it's and such a part of what drives thing. you to conflict is you have such a drive for perfection i do and it's and it's an ever fleeting always failing thing but it's not just even for your life you have a drive for perfection for everyone whose life touches your life okay because you want to create a perfect world i i don't want to create a per perfect world you just want it to be perfect for one moment at least because <laughs> it's like even when something's perfect it becomes imperfect the next moment i do resonate <laughs> with those characters in films i, I also yeah. do resonate with, I, do, I do i also really do believe in 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 succeeding and in growing yeah. and being excellent and we have chosen kind of a path especially in la where, where we can this can tie into dating this can tie into success and tend to leadership all of this but you know a huge conversation that i have when dating people it's like oh well, you're a, a pastor and I've like, I even told you, I was like, I can't yeah. have that for a season because goodness, it kills it on the first five minutes of any date. You're a pastor. Like I'm, I'm not a priest. <laughs> and, and, and then it goes into like this weird spiral of, you know, questions and you, what did you, what was this like? And what was this like? And, and I'm like, no, I'm good without the seventh heaven stuff. Like I, I, we live a, a truly unique life, but we also are pretty normal and pretty just on our own. In LA, it's like, well, you're not a trust fund kid. You know what I mean? And so there, that's a whole other conversation of a, of a world where it seems like I meet really cool kids and it's like, oh, so, but you don't, but you don't have a house here. Or don't and, you and don't wish you were a trust fund kid? Do, do I wish <laughs> I was a trust fund kid? No, because I see them and there's, and, and probably the most of them aren't very successful now. The, you know, that's that whole third generation thing. By the third generation, they've pretty much squandered all of their, yeah. like they're that second generation usually that we meet and and i love them but you know you look at it and i look at them 10 years and i'm like okay at least i'm doing the like wax on wax off thing and i'm gonna be great hopefully when i look up in yeah. 15 years oh speaking of wax on wax off yeah i mean honestly you probably sometimes are baffled that i've had any success because i hate conflict so much no no i <laughs> i on, did i did make it do you want me to say the statement that i made i yeah. said how, how it surprised me that, no it doesn't surprise me that you've been great successful i said how have you been so successful with accepting so much average. Yeah. And I, I genuinely wasn't trying to hurt your feelings, but I think I did. No, no, I want to answer that question. Answer it. Because when I was young, I thought the way to win battles was being a boxer. Right. Be able to take the blows when they hit you in the face and then just punch back harder. 
And as I developed, I developed more of a sense of Taekwondo um, or um, where of the martial arts where you don't fight against the power of someone. You take the full force of their power and use it to is your that, advantage. Is that jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, it's, it can be. I think it's where you're using few. all of the power yeah. it's, from the other person. And uh, I mean, that's the basic thrust of most, you know, Asian defense strategies or battle strategies. And I, I found in my life that fighting against people who want to fight is a waste of my energy. That it's better to, because it'll distract you from the battles you should fight. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm like super chill about 99% of things because I've just found over time they really were not worth the fight that I thought I had to fight. And I swing. <laughs> I swing at everything. <laughs> I, gotta be, I gotta be better about that. But sometimes it's not a giant that's coming. It's no. just a shadow of a mouse. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings with that statement. It, it wasn't the intention. I think I think a bit of it is. I would rather do less in life, and to look back and know that I did it the best that I could. Mm-hmm. Than than. And you know what? We talk about this a lot because you you will do more in life than I will. No. No, I, no. I but meaning you will have done more things probably at a greater success than I will. But I will have probably, hopefully, maybe done like three things really, really well, hopefully. And it's a bit different in our personality. Like, I'm okay with that. And you're not. You're like, <laughs> that's a waste of time. And it's boring. Um, but we're different in that way. But should we get into what we want to actually talk about? Well, I, I actually, or do you want to close that last? This is, this is such out? a good conversation about conflict, and in about how to have healthy conflict. Yeah, and how to have people in your life that want critique, and and to walk together to make each other better. Okay, I think that's a really powerful thing, and um, I, I know from me, like my brother, is a brilliant thinker, sees the world differently than I do. But it always helps me to talk to him because it irritates me so much <laughs> how dogmatic I feel he is about certain positions. Right. And, and I, I remind myself, oh, this is why this conversation is good because he thinks at such a high level that I either have to agree or I have to know why I disagree. And I think those things are really important in life. And so I, I want to almost flip all the way around 360 to Sophia and say, uh, we have to learn how to use conflict for good. And, and the people that you're closest to, I think, will be the hardest people to have conflict with. Because when you love people, you don't want to lose the relationship. And so you end up losing the ability to have meaningful conversations. I want you to realize that, that the inner circle of people in your life are the ones you'll have the most difficulty having conflict with. Okay. And I don't have a problem having a conflict with a stranger. No, you do. You do not. You no, when I, in the world of ideas. Oh, right. The world of ideas. Yeah. 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 Like I, I'll battle any idea, but you're right. I won't, I won't have a conflict with an individual. No, almost never. Yeah. And that's because I have extremely high empathy and it's really, it, it haunts me. And, um, and which she also mentioned, you know, I yeah. think along the way. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I, I think we should one day have a conversation, a podcast about how to have healthy conflict. And we're kind of having it we right now. We are having it right now, but yeah. I think it's a, it's a great ongoing conversation one to realize that um, you may need to have a conflict but the person you want to have it with doesn't need that conflict they may just need a conversation so before you move to conflict have a conversation yeah okay 
Okay. Maybe conflict can be avoided. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still working on it. Still trying to figure it out. Still trying to process that. So, yeah, no, I, I think I think that's. I think I I think in the past I've been so conflict oriented and unwilling, unrelenting when it comes to feelings and how people feel and and too much so where I've burned bridges and hurt people, people's people's relationships or my relationships and and. And I remember I sat down with, with someone, just bring this into the dating conversation, but I sat down with, with a girl who I dated for a long time and and she she looked at me and I can't remember quite what she what she said, but I remember what I said and and, and I remember her having a, a profound moment of wisdom where I said, I want to be great, not kind. Oh, she said, why can't you be more kind? And I said, I want to be great. And I think I was explaining like a, a moment at work or... Uh, some a word conversation this is years ago five years ago and i said well i care i value greatness over kindness and and she stopped and said and that will ruin your life and it was the last moment we ever talked it was one of the last moments we ever talked and we didn't it didn't end because of that but she was still a friend who and i, and I think it's really 2019 i said kindness was the thing i'm trying to like master i really want to be kind I struggle with it. I struggle, and I do think kindness is connected to to conflict. Because if you're kind, conflict doesn't feel like conflict. Incredible people, the most incredible people in conflict are the people who the person they're having conflict with thanks them afterwards. Yeah, and that's one of the greatest compliments that I used to get was people would say to me, "Errol McManus can tell you you're going to hell, and you'll say thank you." <laughs> Which you don't do that. I don't because I don't think that's my place in life to do. No. But I, I think the important thing, well, even with that, is I actually think kindness is greatness. Yeah, you've helped me. And I remember being so young and naive, and not that young, and but very naive, and telling you that kindness was your greatest weakness. I remember my, you told me that. My early 20s. And this is why I make the statement that in my 20s, I thought I knew everything. And in my early 30s, I'm realizing I know nothing <laughs> and that I'm excited to learn more. But I, I do think this is a great conversation about posture. And winning conflict is actually being the most kind. And, and now I, and maybe now I've just, you've inceptioned me. Where, and there's moments where I didn't feel like in, 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 the, in the conflict we had in your house, not me and you, but someone else, I felt horrible after. I was still angry. I was still fuming. You called me two hours later and I was still in such a bad mood over it. But I genuinely felt horrible about how it, how it happened. And I told you I needed to walk away because of my history with conflict. It's like that Viggo Mortensen <laughs> movie, like a history of violence. It's like mine's a history of conflict. Trying to be better, sometimes I have to remove myself from situations just to just help the situation go more peacefully you just gave me a great insight okay go into conflict to win the person not the argument mm, that's so good i think we should end on that all right maybe we'll actually get to um to the actual conversation topic for the day yeah we will <laughs> <laughs>